welcome to Crime Cults and Coffee. I'm Bryn. And I'm Kelsey. Do you want to talk about your exciting trip before we Yeah, I was just going to say we have some exciting stuff to talk about. So um, Carson and I just got back from a trip to Utah, and it was awesome. We went to all the national parks. We went to Zion and Capitol Reef and Bryce Canyon. It was honestly one of the best trips I've ever done. We rented an RV and it was really cool. If you guys were ever thinking of doing a trip like that, let me know and I will send you the itinerary that Carson made that's eight pages. (laughs) (laughs) But it was honestly needed because we did so much that I feel like if we didn't have that, we would have missed everything. Yeah, no, that's awesome. He's just such a planner. Him and I, our souls are split and he got the planning side (laughs) because I definitely didn't. Yeah, but it was um, it was awesome. We had a really good time. And I'm sad to be back to work. But I mean, honestly, like it was the perfect trip. We were gone for like 10 days. So it was awesome. It looked absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So that's actually where this coffee comes from today. But do you have anything that you wanted to talk about or any exciting things? I do have a couple podcast recommendations. Yeah. The first one is Against the Odds. Have you heard of that podcast? Against the Odds. Yeah. No, I, haven't, I haven't heard about that one. It's about in 1986, a bunch of high school students went for like a class trip type of thing to Mount Hood, which is in Oregon. Yeah, I went there. Yeah, and they got trapped in a storm on the mountain. What and the fuck? it's a Yeah, it's about the entire story of survival. And the way this podcast tells it, they did an incredible job. Wow, I really need to listen to that. Yeah, I binged it and I'm all caught up. And every week I am waiting until the next episode comes out. Oh my god, I love that. Another podcast I've been listening to recently, same thing. I'm like pretty much caught up on it because I think it's only three episodes in. It's called X Marks the Spot. And it's the legend of Forrest Fenn, which is this man who basically decided to put a treasure together. And it's like a real life treasure hunt. And people have been trying to find it for years and someone found it. Oh, my God. It sounds like rat race. (laughs) Yeah, it's that's exactly what I thought of when I've been listening to it. (laughs) That's hysterical. Oh, my God. Okay, what's that one called? X marks the spot. The legend of Forrest Fenn. Okay, it's I need very some, good. I need some new podcast rotations because I have like my four that I listen to, and then once they're out for the week, I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do on my way to work? Oh <laughs> uh, well, I have one more for you, Kels. Don't you worry. Oh, okay, good. So I actually posted this one. I also already tagged it in our shoutouts on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I posted about it last week. It's a podcast called Cooper Island, and it tells all these stories about the indigenous people that were at Cooper Island Residential School mm-hmm. and how absolutely awful their experiences were there and the abuse and the murders and the inexcusable crimes that took place at this school. Oh, my God. Yeah, that has now affected generations upon generations of families and indigenous people. And I felt like... It's such an important podcast to listen to and such like things that people need to know about because it affected these people's lives and literally like children were murdered at this school. Yeah, so I already posted that on our Instagram story, but I will post it again because that podcast also the way it's told again is just I feel like it, it was done so well. Okay. I'm going to have to listen to that one, too. Yeah. But without further ado, let's get into our coffee review since you got this from your trip. Yeah. So the coffee shop we went to, I'm going to talk about first because it was the coolest fucking thing. So we're driving in the RV and obviously Carson doesn't drink coffee. So it was the day that in the RV, my coffee, like I got iced coffee, had ran out because it was towards the end of the trip. Mm -hmm. we need to find coffee and if you've ever been to utah you understand how fucking desolate it is out there and there's nothing while you're driving Um, oh god unless you're like in a town yeah 
So I'm like, I need coffee so bad. The next place you see, like, just stop. I don't even care what it looks like. So we pull up. And on the side of this huge mountain, it says Kiva Coffee House. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Does that, did that say coffee? And we passed it. And he's like, yeah. So I was like, you need to turn around. <laughs> so he turned around. Caffeine we addiction back. is real, people. The addiction is fucking real. It's bad. So he went back and he's like, okay. So it was the coolest fucking thing. It was literally this like circular um, coffee shop carved into the side of this mountain. Oh my God. Yeah. And it was so cute. The inside was really cool. And I got a really good latte from there. So that's where I got this coffee. Cause I was like, you know, what better place to get coffee than this cool place on the side of the mountain? You'll have to post pictures. Did you take pictures? I did on purpose because I was like, I know I'm going to buy coffee from here, so I better take pictures of it. Okay, good. You'll have to post it on the Instagram. Yeah. So this coffee from Kiva Coffee House is called Wasatch Roasting Company. That's the place that that provides their coffee to them. And the specific one we are drinking today is a Peru blend. And it the notes in it are red fruits, creamy caramel, and fresh coconut. Delicious. Yeah, this is actually a light roast. And I didn't notice that until I got home. Like, not that I would have changed my mind because it said coconut. But I was like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) interesting. I didn't know I would pick a light roast. Yeah. So that's pretty much the gist of the coffee we're reviewing today. And I'll give you guys the info if you want to check them out. Their website is wasatchroasting.com. And that is spelt W-A-S-A-T-C-H roasting.com their instagram is wasatch roasting company and in case you wanted to visit this cool coffee shop their website is kivacoffeehouse.com and it's spelled kiva k-i-v-a and then coffee with a k kivacoffeehouse.com they're located in utah like i had mentioned very cool there was also like a lodge slash hotel attached to the coffee house Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, it was awesome. So what are you thinking about this coffee? What are your feels? So I was, I'm not going to lie, I was expecting more coconutty and caramel, but I feel Mm -hmm. like the red berry notes really overpower this coffee for me. It tastes very fruity to me, and the smell is very, very fruity, which if you are a fruity coffee person, this coffee is probably for you if you like something like summery and fresh. But I'm not a huge fruity coffee person. What do you think? I completely agree because we have the same taste buds. Mm -hmm. I definitely think the fruity part is the overpowering part for me. When As soon as I sipped on it, I didn't even see what the notes were at first. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, there is some kind of fruit in here. Yeah. And I taste the coconut a tiny bit towards the end. But definitely mostly the fruit. And I agree with you that even before I brewed the coffee, when I smelt the beans, I was like, wow, this smells good, but fruity. Yeah, agreed. Again, if you like fruity coffee, this is probably one for you, but I'm not a huge fan. So yeah, what would you rate this one? I would probably rate this one a 6.75. Okay, I was going to say 6.5. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's a bad coffee, but the notes just really don't, they don't do it for me. Right, we've just made it clear before that we're not fruit lovers when it comes to coffee. Yes, precisely. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so should we get into today's episode? Let's do it. Okay, so grab your coffee and have a morning with us. Today's case, jumping right into it, we are going to be covering the Mary Morris murders. So a little bit of background. Mary Lou Henderson Morris is who this case is about. She lived in Baytown, Texas, and she was 48 years old at the time. She was a loan officer at Chase Bank in Houston, Texas, and she was married to Jay Morris. She was described as being loved by many. Hmm. October 12th, 2000, which is my birthday, not 2000, but October 12th. You weren't born in the year 2000? (laughs) No, but I've been there. I've been been to the year 3000. (laughs) That's immediately what I thought of. Were you just singing it too? Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yes, October 12, 2000. That morning around 6 a.m., Mary Lou left her home to go to work at the bank in Houston. And her work was about 30 minutes from her home. So while she was driving from her home to work, Mary went missing. Her coworkers began calling people looking for Mary Lou when she didn't show up at the bank. Very vigilant. Yeah, like, God bless. I feel like if I didn't show up to work, my coworkers would be like, screw her. No, I'm just They'd kidding. be pissed. <laughs> They'd be fucking pissed. Right? Her husband, Jay, had seen her when she left the house in the morning. But besides that, no one had seen her since she left. He tried calling her multiple times throughout the day with no answer. And he said this was very unusual for her and got worried. I mean, you know, there's some people that are, like, on top of phone calls, even at work, especially if their husband calls them. And there's some people that are like, I could go all day without looking at my phone. So I'm sure he knew her and was like, this was not usual. Mm -hmm. Then there's me who's at work and I have someone rooms down asking me questions that I need to answer and I don't see it till, like, an hour later. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? I know. I barely look at my phone when I'm at work. Same. So her husband said, quote, I called the supervisor and found out she wasn't at work. That's when I knew immediately that there was something wrong because she doesn't she didn't miss work. And that was a quote from unsolved.com. And the time he called the supervisor was around 5 p.m. So it was already later in the day. Jay then immediately reported her missing to the police. Go, Jay. Again, super vigilant. Right. Around the same time Jay called the police, someone reported a car on fire. Oh, my God. Her Chevy Lumina was found, and it was burned. Everything was scorched and melted, even the car tires. That is terrifying. And shows how hot and how long that car must have been burning. Right. Imagine that being like your significant other, and all you know is that their car on fire has been found. Yeah, this is really odd, but I was actually just thinking about this the other day, like how hot it would actually have to be outside for a car's tires to melt. This is just like a thought that popped into my head (laughs) because I was thinking of how much heat is probably generated from the friction of the tires when you're driving like 60 miles per hour on the highway Mm -hmm. and they don't melt. What's the answer? Did you find it out? No, (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) listeners if you know shoot us shoot us a dm yeah that's i'd be curious to know but it it was just strange because when i saw that while researching i was like wow i literally was just thinking about tires yeah how like the heat of tires melting the other day and this actually happened from the heat of this car that's which is disgusting yeah yeah that's horrible When they found her car, it was on the side of a remote road, and the area was covered by thick foliage and trees. This road was about three miles from their house, but going the opposite direction of Houston, where she had worked. So that makes me automatically think that it was almost like a a hostage situation or something like that, where they were able to get her to go a, a different direction or took over her car. Right, like she wasn't driving. Right. Mm -hmm. That's scary. Apparently, there had also been a call to the police around 10 a.m. in which someone reported seeing smoke in that area. So if that's the case, then the fire was going on early in the morning. Which would explain the melted tires. Right, like it was burning for a while. Yeah, and why everything was literally just scorched. Yeah. At the time, the fire department had believed it was a controlled burn. It gets worse. There was also a body found in the front seat of the car. Investigators assumed that this was Mary Lou, but the body was burned so badly that the identification process would not be quick. Of course, because you can't really identify something if it's so badly burned. The cause of death could also not be identified due to the severity of the burns. The body was then identified by dental records as Mary Lou Henderson Morris. Ugh. That is horrifying. That makes me absolutely sick. Same. I just hope that she had passed before the burning occurred. Or was like knocked out or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's horrible. So what happened, everyone might be wondering. Authorities were completely stuck on finding a motive. No one could figure out why this happened to Mary Lou. She had no known enemies. And there were pieces of jewelry melted into the remains. So robbery didn't really seem like a motive to them. Although her purse and wedding ring were missing from the scene. You'd think they like take all of the jewelry though if that's what they were after. Right. That almost makes you think that the purse and the wedding ring were taken for different reasons. Right. So Jay Morris, which was Mary Lou's husband, and her ex-husband were helpful and compliant for the entirety of the case, making them unlikely suspects in the eyes of the investigators. Moving on to October 16th, 2000, this is four days after Mary Lou was found. Another body was found in the Houston area, 25 miles away. Oh my god. This was the body of Mary McGinnis Morris. Yes, you heard that right. The two women had the same name. What are the fucking chances? Yeah. That is so weird. Which is why we've been referring to the first Mary as Mary Lou. From this point on, I'm going to kind of refer to Mary McGinnis Morris as either just Mary or Mary number two, because that's what she was referred to as in a lot of the articles that we have in our resources, just to kind of like distinguish between the two. Mary had also been found by the side of the road in her car by an ATV rider. And this was also in a remote area. Her wedding ring was also missing, just like Mary Lou's. This had to have been the same person. Right? That's what I think, too. There, it can't be this much of a coincidence. No, that's insane. Mary had been beaten and had a gunshot wound to the head. So that was kind of a difference between the two is Mary Lou was so badly burned, they really couldn't distinguish a cause of death. But... With Mary, her car hadn't been set on fire, so they could tell that she was beaten and had been shot. This was determined to come from a gun that her husband had recently lent her, which we'll get into later. It was unclear if the gun was recovered at the scene because there are a lot of conflicting reports on this. So we kind of just want to give you guys both sides to what we read. Mm-hmm. One article specifically said no murder weapon was ever found. And another article or articles had said that the gun was found on the passenger seat next to her, kind of like made to look like a suicide. So was the quote unquote no murder weapon found in regards to Mary Lou's case, but not clearly stated in that article? Was that referring to both cases, or are they just assuming Mary number two was shot with the gun that her husband left her if this gun was never actually recovered? Yeah. I'm leaning towards it was recovered. Right, I agree. Yeah, because I feel like it wouldn't have been published in any report that it was on the passenger seat if it wasn't on the passenger seat. Right, like where would that come from? Yeah, I think there might have just been, it wasn't clear that the murder weapon wasn't found in Mary Lou's case, not both. So at first glance, one might think that Mary had committed suicide, but with a closer look, Mary had bruises on her wrists, which kind of made it look like she had been restrained or had been like fighting back kind of thing. And her clothes had been torn in some places. Cloth fibers were also found in her mouth. That's definitely a sign of struggle. Yeah, for sure. And the cloth fibers in the mouth suggested that she had been gagged with some type of cloth before she died. Right, exactly. There's no way that was a suicide. Mm-mm. The passenger door was also left open, and her car keys were outside of the car. So definitely, like you had said, signs of a struggle. Yeah. Let's backtrack a bit to background information and events leading up to the murder of the second Mary. 
So Mary McGinnis Morris, which is the second Mary, was 39 years old. She was described as successful and she had a lot of friends. Here's a quote from her sister, Stephanie Lore. And this was a quote from unsolved.com. Quote, Mary was like an angel. She was very joyful, always happy, making people laugh. Not enough words really to describe her. I mean, she was really loved by everybody. At work, anything a doctor would do, Mary did. She would work 14 hours a day and not think twice. Go back in the evening, weekends, whenever she was needed. So that's just like, I feel like that just says how great of a person she was. Like she just wanted to help people. Yeah. And she was a nurse. She was in charge of looking over, quote, several clinics for a pharmaceutical company named Union Carbide in Houston. And that was a quote from thecasualcriminalist.com. The day she went missing, she met up with her friend Lori Gamel at one of the clinics to give her an allergy shot. Other articles say it was a flu shot, but, you know, potato, potato. And then after that, she left the clinic. So around 5.30 p.m., she called Lori from a drugstore and told her that a man was, quote, giving her the creeps. That is a huge red flag. That makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, that is terrifying. She was then going to clock out at work and go home. And then less than 15 minutes later, uh, or 12 minutes, according to Detective Wayne Coleman, Mary called 911. My God, that gives me the chills. Mm -hmm. This was another quote from the the casualcriminalist.com. And Harris County Sheriff Department Detective Wayne Coleman said, quote, we're not releasing the content of the tape. It covers the attack that happened to Mary. And anybody that's ever heard that tape has just had their blood chilled listening to it. It's very chilling, disturbing call. Oh, my God. That's so sickening that that was all caught on a recorded police call. That is fucking terrifying. I can't even imagine what she went through. You know, the the 911 dispatcher, what they had to listen to, that's horrifying. Mm-hmm. And the horror just knowing help was right on the other end of that line. And, and literally she was trapped with whoever had done this to her. Right. Nothing could be done from their side of it at that point. Oh, that's horrible. Hours later, Mary was found in her car on the side of the road. So that was just to kind of catch you up on before she was found. Suspects in the Mary Morris number two murder. Suspect number one is a coworker of Mary's named Dwayne Young. Dwayne was also a nurse, and allegedly they never got along, and Dwayne had tried to ruin Mary's reputation. That's just a fucking dick move right there. Whether you like like someone or not, you don't try to ruin their reputation, especially in a workplace. Right, that's very unprofessional and borderline harassment. The same day that Mary Lou had died, which was Mary number one, Mary number two had found picture frames turned over in her office and other things out of place. Who the fuck would just be messing with your stuff? Super creepy. So she went to confront Dwayne thinking it was him and he had already left for the day. She noticed, quote, death to her written on his desk calendar. What the fuck? What would be the reasoning for that being written there? Like, how do you explain that away? You don't. Like, that's not a fucking coincidence. Dwayne was reported for his alleged harassment and was made to leave the building. Some reports say he quit. Some say he was fired. Whatever the case, he left fuming and screaming. This situation, along with the note on his calendar, is why Mary had asked to borrow a gun from her husband. That is a huge red flag. Yeah. Somebody at your workplace is prompting you to want a gun. That's horrifying. Yeah, like you're that terrified or you feel that much that that person could potentially do something to you. You need to find a way to protect yourself. She kept this gun under the seat of her car until it was potentially used to murder her. Dwayne maintained his innocence the whole time, but has never officially been ruled out as a suspect. Hmm. Definitely one to think about. Really sketchy. 
Suspect number two was Mary's husband, Mike Morris. He said he was at the movies with his daughter when Mary was murdered, but he wouldn't let police interview their daughter to confirm this. Why? I don't know. Uh, I feel like that could be for multiple reasons. They didn't really mention how young the daughter is. Maybe she was, was little. Yeah, I could potentially somewhat understand that if the kid was, like, seven years old and he didn't want her scarred for life. Right, especially after what had just happened. Yeah, but at the same time, if they were just trying to confirm, oh, were you with your daddy at the movies during this time? That's not really... And, like, maybe to his defense, too, why would you have to ask her daughter? There was probably thousands of people in the movie theater and cameras. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, that's one of the reasons, I guess, he was suspected is because he wouldn't let them interview her. Uh, Aside from that, he also refused to take a polygraph test. But you know our stance on this, and it's really not that suspicious or reliable anyway. So that... As a reasoning for why he could potentially be involved, I feel like it's just completely thrown out the window. Yeah, I would not. I would not do it. No, I would never take a polygraph. And in one of the articles I had read, one of the reasonings he stated for that was he was on medications for certain things. And he was like, according to him or allegedly, he was afraid that it could potentially affect his responses Yeah, I mean, there are certain medications that can alter, like, your heart rate. I don't know exactly what's measured in a polygraph, but I'm sure your heart rate is involved in that somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He also had lawyered up before even officially being named as a suspect. Hmm. This can also potentially be explained away, as we know in most cases those closest to the victim, a.k.a. the significant other, is looked at to be ruled out regardless. Right. So I feel like if he had knowledge of that, he w- he might just lawyer up to make sure that he's not going to be accused of something he didn't do. Right. I mean, I don't totally blame him for that either. Yeah. And I could see both sides of that one, though. Like, that can look super sketchy. Oh, why does he need a lawyer? But then also... He allegedly had said that he lawyered up because someone had suggested him to. So the person would be able to explain to him knowledge that he wouldn't understand, like terminology and the right things to say when it came to defending himself. Right. So I could kind of see both sides to that one. Yeah, I agree. It was also discovered that Mary and Mike had been having issues in their marriage He suspected her of having an affair and had allegedly even confronted her about this close to the time of her murder. Jeez. So, again, in one of the articles, he kind of explained how that did happen, but it was discussed and he had said anyway that from his side of it, he had said that he talked to her and the person he thought she was potentially cheating with. And he could tell that they weren't lying, that they hadn't. And then he said it kind of was washed away and that was the end of it. That's according to him, though. So who knows? Besides. Yeah. There was also a $700,000 life insurance policy on Mary and Mike was the beneficiary. So another argument towards why he would have motive to have her murdered or to murder her. Yeah, I mean, that's a large life insurance policy. Right. Last but not least, there was a, quote, four-minute phone call logged from Mike's cell phone to Mary's at 7.11 p.m. This was about an hour and a half after Mary called 911 to report her own kidnapping. And that was a quote from the casual criminalist. Hmm. regarding this mike said it had to be a mistake with the phone company he said that the phone actually rang for four minutes with no answer when he was trying to call her and he 
described it as he even thought it was odd that it kept ringing instead of going to voicemail. His side of it was he stayed on the line for those four minutes expecting her to pick up. But according to the phone company, if it was just ringing like that, it wouldn't have shown up on the records at all. That's so strange. I don't understand. They say that the phone call was answered, but by who then? Right. And even, of course, if it wasn't Mary, like, who, why wouldn't he just say who it was? Right. I don't know. That doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. And Mike became a prime suspect, but maintained his innocence. And just like Dwayne, he was never really ruled out. Wow. So moving on to some theories. A main theory that came from the murders of both women was that it's all wrapped up in the same murder plot, which we said already we concur. We concur. A thought is that one of Mary Morris number two's enemies had hired a hitman to kill her. The hitman first killed Mary Lou, thinking it was Mary number two. So Mary Lou Henderson Morris would have literally died from a case of mistaken identity if that were the case. Oh my god, I really fucking hope that's not true. Yeah. I feel like how do you mess it up so badly, though? If someone was to hire a hitman, I feel like you have to give some background information other than their name, you know? Yeah, unless it was just like, here's her name, here's her picture, and if... We'll post pictures of both Marys, obviously, and they did look somewhat similar to each other. Right, but I feel like, I mean, I've never hired a hitman before, but, like, wouldn't you have to be, like, this is where she lives, this is her typical route to work, you know? Well, the first Mary was murdered on her route to work. Right, but it was a different route than second Mary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they both were from the same town and died around the same place, so... Yeah, I don't know. That's terrifying. Yeah, it's really strange. And I agree with you where it's like, wouldn't the hitman need to be more experienced than that or like know more than that? But at the same time, what if this person just found a random person, paid them $10,000 and the person was like, okay, and wasn't even an experienced hitman? I guess that's true. Yeah. So there have been cases where a missing wedding ring is part of a contract killing Mm. and the ring is actually taken as a token to prove that the murder happened. Oh my god. So that kind of makes sense with both of these cases as both women were missing their wedding rings. Mm -hmm. But there's also a story surrounding Mike Morris, which was Mary number two's husband that he may have had her ring back after she died. That's sketchy. Yeah, in which case that is kind of backing up a hitman theory because the hitman would have given the ring back, you know? Right, like here, you can take it back now and maybe make some money off of it if you want. Here's kind of the story of what was believed to have happened. If this did happen, again, this could just be like hearsay or a rumor. Mm Mm-hmm. Allegedly, a family friend was at his house for dinner months after Mary died, and they saw that Mike and Mary's daughter was wearing her ring. Wow. When they asked Mike, he said that Mary actually wasn't wearing the ring when she died, and he forgot to tell the police. Okay, if that really happened, that is a huge slip-up and sketchy as fuck. Right, especially if it's all over articles, and this is the year 2000, so... In papers, online and stuff, if this was, oh my god, there's these two cases that happen. One strange thing about the both of them is they were both missing their wedding rings. Wouldn't you then be like, wait, actually, she wasn't. Right. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. This is unverified according to our resources, but Lori Gemmel, who was Mary's friend, also said that the phone call was made to Houston Chronicle on October 13th the day after Mary Lou was murdered. She said, quote, a call came into the Houston Chronicle, and I verified this with somebody at the Chronicle, between the time that the first Mary Morris was killed and the time that my friend was killed, saying something to the effect that they got the wrong Mary Morris for the the first time. 
That was a quote from the casual criminalist. That is so fucking scary. If that is actually true, yeah. Like, imagine that that was the accident. and Oh, my God. I can't even. That is horrible. I feel like, obviously, neither of these women should have died. Yeah. But if the first one died because of mistaken identity, because a hit was out on the second one, that's so beyond fucked up. Yeah, that is literally terrifying. And the hitman was just like, okay, I'll try again. Yeah. Another theory is that the first Mary Morris or Mary Lou was the intended victim and that Mary Morris number two was murdered to throw people off and cover that up. AKA the second murder was like a red herring. Also equally fucked up. Yeah. And I feel like that one's less believable. You know, like why would you just go and kill another person to be like, oh, it was a cover up on the first one. That doesn't make right. sense. However, police still say that there's not enough evidence to connect both of the murders. They suggest that it's all a coincidence, which I don't agree with. <laughs> the murders of both Marys remain unsolved. Ugh, this is horrible. Yeah. Did you ever see the Terminator movies? Yes. Okay, so I was reading comments on some of these articles, and someone made a good point where they were like, this actually reminds me of the Terminator movies where they have, like, a hit list for Sarah Connor, and they just keep going down the list of Sarah Connors till they get the right one. Yeah, I mean, I really hope that that wasn't the case. It's just so fucked up. Yeah, either way, two people died from this and they're not going to get justice because it's not solved. One last odd fact of this case is six months after Mary Lou's murder, Jay Morris, who was her husband again, got a $2,000 phone bill addressed to none other than Mary Lou Henderson Morris. Her phone card, yes, her phone card, because we were in the year 2000, was traced to a 16-year-old in Galveston, Texas. And Galveston is about an hour from Houston. So I'm. this just throws everything off. I'm just so confused. I feel like there's so many things with this case that just don't add up. Why would that be addressed to her? And it's from... A 16-year-old, like, what? Yeah, like a 16-year-old's using her phone card an hour away. The girl said that she found it in a purse in a convenience store parking lot a month earlier. Even weirder, the cops returned the purse to Mary Lou's family, and the purse wasn't hers. That blew my mind when I read that, because with Mary Lou, the only two things missing from her were her ring and her purse. So the purse being found somewhere random would make sense if someone, like, ditched it, you know? Right. But, like, what was then the purse that they gave the family? Right. And why was her phone card in this random purse? I feel like it was all just to try to confuse people. Yeah, because further elaborating, this 16-year-old had said that there was more stuff in the purse, but she kind of just either got rid of it or gave it to her friend. Like, she, like, didn't – she just took the phone card, you know what I mean? Yeah. So what? Did this person who killed Mary Lou transfer all of her stuff into another purse? Right, like, that doesn't make any sense. It's so strange. After this happened, Jay started getting phone calls from somebody asking for Mary. He got three phone calls, and they stopped after he referred them to the Harris County Sheriff's Office. The police traced the call but could not find the man that made it. I, I This is just so confusing, and I feel so bad for this these families. Agreed. Like, how do you and make for- sense of any of this? Right. And for these women who, like you said, aren't getting any justice because it's just a shit show of information and there's just no answers. Yeah, it's horrible. So a little bit of something happy. Marilyn Blalock, which was Mary Lou's daughter, and Stephanie Lore, which was Mary number two's sister, 
co-starred on an episode of the Montel Williams show and became really good friends. Oh. So at least they have each other and they kind of understand what the other one's going through and hopefully they're like a good support system for each other. Yeah, I feel like there's a special bond made when somebody understands what you're going through. Both families have remained vigilant in campaigning for answers and justice for Mary Lou Henderson Morris and Mary McGinnis Morris. Wow. Yeah, and that's really all we have on that, sadly. I hope there's updates and, you know, answers to come, but for now, that's that's pretty horrible. Mm-hmm. If anyone has any information, as always, we encourage you to step forward and say something, do something, and hopefully one day the right little bit of information will come forward in order to solve their cases. Right. What do you think happened? You think they're connected? I think they're definitely connected without a doubt. I don't really know. Like, I can't really say exactly what who did it or what happened, right. but I feel like the hitman theory, the first one, is believable in a way. Yeah. I like, could of... make sense. I agree. I mean, like, I guess not every hitman is going to be experienced. You could literally hire anybody to do it, and I don't know. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. I just feel like they have to be com- connected. They're too similar to not be. Right. The fact that they're the same exact names, like, that's just not a coincidence. And in the same town and days apart and the same items were missing from them. It's just so strange. Right. Unless the first one was murdered and then the second one was, like, a copycat for some reason. But would someone just pick someone with the same name? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get into our spiel? I actually forgot to mention something that I watched on the airplane. You've already seen it. The woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. Oh, my God. (laughs) So we were like, we have to download something for the airplane. Like, whatever. We haven't seen this yet. I thought it was really fucking good until the last episode. It was good until the very end. But you know what's funny? The very end is when I realized it's supposed to be like a satire. Yeah. Yeah. You could. The whole thing's not serious. And yeah. And Kristen Bell is, I feel like, so good for that part. And like, I I guess I realized around the middle, I was like, okay, this isn't all supposed to be 100% serious. Uh Uh-huh. But it was actually, I thought it was pretty good until the last episode. And then I was like, all right, that was fucking stupid. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I, I it I was really into it till the last episode. It was entertaining. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. That was it. Oh my god, <laughs> I totally forgot to mention what happened yesterday to me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not gonna name where we were. Mom and I went to get pizza somewhere and we were sitting in the car eating the pizza and we're just like, you know, chomping away. And All of a sudden, I'm opening a drink, and I hear mom go, well, that was weird. And I was like, what? And she's like, that car just pulled up there, and that person got out and left the passenger side door open. And I look over, and we see the person jumping into a car. And then the person in the other car is reaching over the passenger side and pulling the door shut. And all of a sudden, both cars start speeding away. And we were like, oh, my God, did we just witness a car robbery? Like, did we just witness someone stealing a fucking car? But part of us was like, no, that couldn't have just happened. And all of a sudden, in front of the pizza shop, I see the delivery driver guy run outside, and he's looking around with his hands on his head. And I yelled out of my car, oh, my God, did your car just get stolen? And he was like, yeah. And I I was like, we literally just saw the whole fucking thing happen. I literally can't believe that that happened and you watched it. Yeah. And I'm leaving out some details, but part of me was like so upset with myself that I didn't get it on video or something. And mom was saying the same thing. We were sick to our stomachs all night because it just happened so fucking fast. And 
There was, like, no time to even get a phone on to take a video. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't expect to see that. So, like, honestly, and you were eating, so I wouldn't blame yourself at all. I was like, holy shit, I cannot believe we just saw it happen. And literally, it happened so fucking fast. The delivery driver, they had to have been watching this person all day. A hundred percent. Yeah, because he was outside going on a delivery when we went to get inside to get the pizza. Mm-hmm. And then when we walked out, we got in the car, we were eating for maybe a minute and he was back. So he was gone for like 10 minutes, maybe tops. He was literally in probably getting the next delivery or whatever he was doing. By the time he left his car and went in the building, he was in there for maybe, I'm not even exaggerating, 30 seconds tops before that person was in his car. Yeah, I feel like this person was watching him all day and watching him, like, run in and grab food and run back out to his car. Uh And then they got, like, built up the confidence to just go ahead and do it at one point. Yeah, or they were just scoping it out. But they they flew – as soon as they started flying out of the parking lot, that's when we were like, oh, my God, this car is being stolen. Because I was like, there is no fucking way they would fly out of the parking lot like that. And they almost hit a FedEx truck on the cross street. My God. It was insane. I was like, holy shit, I can't believe we just we just witnessed that. Yeah, I mean, definitely don't blame yourself, though. I would have not known what was going on. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm like so, and mom's the same way. I'm so vigilant with taking pictures of everything. If I see anything sketchy, I take a picture of the license plate. If I note something sketchy, I'm always looking at the clock like, okay, what time is it in case I need to say it was this time when this happened? You know what I mean? Like, I'm over the top with that. I am too. Actually, this just reminded me about something that happened in Utah. We were on this hike and it was about 7 p.m. that we went because you can't go in the middle of the day. It's fucking 100 degrees. So Mm -hmm. we went at 7 p.m. and we see this family walking behind us. And the husband was pretty far in front of them because he was doing photography. He was just taking pictures. So we get up to the top and there's like a fork and you can go one way that's three miles and into the trail. And then the other way that's only another quarter of a mile to get to this big arch. And that's pretty much what you do the hike for is to get to the arch. Mm -hmm. So Carson and I went to the arch and we get there and all of a sudden... This guy, the photographer guy, is like, have you seen my wife and son? We were like, uh, no. And he's like, I don't know where they are. I haven't seen them. And I'm afraid that they got lost somewhere. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So we go back and we're yelling their names everywhere. We can't find them. And we think that they took the three-mile hike trail instead of the quarter of a mile. And by the time we got back down the mountain, it was dark. (gasps) So I was so fucking scared for them. We didn't see them come down the mountain. It was only about a mile and a half hike up, but it was straight up. So you couldn't see anything. Mm -hmm. So I got back down and I was like, they have the Escalade, the white Escalade with the Colorado license plate. Carson's like, how the fuck do you remember that? I'm like, I don't know. For some reason, when they pulled up in the parking lot behind us, I thought to look at their license plate in their car. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we didn't see them come down the mountain. We go to the ranger station and the park ranger. There was nobody there. We tried going everywhere to try to tell them somebody needs to make sure they come down the mountain. And we couldn't find anybody. What the fuck? Yeah, I was terrified. What the fuck? I hope they like made it down. Oh, God. I really hope they did. That's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. I can't even think about that. That's so scary. (sighs) Hopefully there's good outcomes for both of our situations because... Agreed. I feel so bad for people in that moment too. I I wanted to cry looking at the look on the kid's face whose car got taken. Like the how... I can't even imagine. He came running over to the car because I said we saw the whole thing and his hands were like on his face. He just looked like so out of it. I felt so, so bad for him. And I can imagine, or I can't imagine, actually, I can't imagine what that guy was feeling that you came across. Oh, my God, my wife and my child are missing. Yeah, I, oh, oh my God, I have the chills thinking about it. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, sending positive, good energy to all of them, and hopefully they, like I said, they have all had good outcomes. Agreed. So should we get into our spiel? 
Yeah, let's do it. So you can find us on Facebook at Crime Colts and Coffee. That's where we post our weekly resources for every episode and pictures from each case that we talk about. We'll also post the Kiva Coffee House pictures that I took from this week as well. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at Crime Colts and Coffee. In the link in our bio, we have our link tree, and that pulls up all of our podcasting platforms that we are on currently. And you can also look at our pictures that we post weekly from every case and the coffee recommendations and shout outs that we give per episode. If you have a case suggestion or a listener story, please submit it to us. You can either do that through DM on our Instagram at Crime Colts and Coffee. Or send us an email at crimecoltsandcoffee at gmail.com. Also, if you would be so kind to leave us a rate and review, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it. Our podcast would appreciate it. It really helps us more than you know. And you'll get free stickers. Yeah, who loves free stickers? (laughs) If you listen on a podcasting platform other than Apple Podcasts, you can always follow like subscribe it'll let you know when new episodes come out every week yes so check it out and until next week bye guys bye Regarding this case and our resources, follow us at Crime Cults and Coffee on Instagram and Facebook.